right, everybody, can I have your attention, please? Um, yeah, I just uh, firstly want to um, just say thank you for this opportunity again, Josh. Um, I really enjoy the opportunity to preach. I really enjoy um, getting into scripture. I love praying over a text. I really enjoy um, soaping over a text and just sort of really nutting it out, trying to explain it to people. Um, I just sometimes have a problem with this sort of 20-minute period, so if you can um, excuse my nervousness, um, that would be great. But um, I'm sure it would be fine. Um, actually. But, um, yeah, I've, I've um, spent a bit of time around this passage of Scripture that Josh has given me, and um, it's quite a convicting uh, passage. It's confronting. But... Um, Yeah, I guess it's been my prayer this week that hopefully I can bless you through it, I can convict you through it and encourage you through it. Um, I've got my serious glasses on today, as you can see. (laughs) Normally, without my glasses, I'm a little bit less serious, but I'm hoping that um, this can show me with a little bit of maturity. That would be awesome. (laughs) Um, I just thought of this introduction like 15 minutes ago and um, the title of my message is what does it mean to follow or have you counted the cost of following Jesus? And I think it's sort of fitting in these days where we do something sometime, sometimes half-heartedly, um, forgetting what it's going to cost us. Um, for Chloe and I, we just recently built, or I just recently built a deck out the back of our house. <laughs> and um, like Chloe has been nagging me for a long, long time to build this deck. But the reason I hadn't um, because I knew what it was going to cost me. I knew that it was going to cost me a fair bit of money. I knew that it was going to cost me a few, fair few Saturdays. I knew that it was going to cost me time. And I also knew that um, you don't just build a deck without buying a new outdoor table or <laughs> a pot plant or like something to go with it. The, the costs just keep on going. But I, I finally built this deck and I... The cost was worth it, you know. We got to sit on it this afternoon and it was really nice and, and I was really, really glad I did it. And I guess that's, that's the crux of this message. Um, while building a deck or doing something in your life, um, some things cost you more or less, the cost of following Jesus is really important. And there is a cost, but it's always going to be worth it. Um, so Josh gave me Luke chapter 9, 57 to 62. Now, before... I get my younger brother, my better looking brother, to come up and read it. I want to give you a bit of context around this passage. I want to set the scene so you understand why Jesus is using this sort of language. Um, It's actually going to be a really dramatic um, period of time and a time in the life of Jesus and especially his disciples. Um, Verse 51 of of this chapter says that Jesus and his disciples set their faces towards Jerusalem. Now this means that they were looking at Jerusalem knowing that this was going to be the end goal, the the end time where Jesus' plan of redemption is finally going to be fulfilled through his death on the cross. He knew that this time of his life was going to be the end. So it was a slow and a solemn uh, journey towards Jerusalem. Um, I I get a picture um, during the week when I was thinking of this of the last... um, the last movie of The Lord of the Rings. Has anyone seen it? Lord of the Rings? Anyone read the books? Yeah. Oh, I've read them. Hey, so you, man, we should, 
Yeah, so, I mean, the last, the last movie, we've got um, Frodo and Samwise. They've just escaped the spider. There will be spoilers in this, so you have to go, you'll, you might not have to watch the movie anymore. But Frodo and Samwise, they've just defeated the spider. They've just escaped this big tower, and now they're on their way uh, in Mordor to Mount Doom. And they both set their eyes solemnly at Mount Doom. And if you know the story, you know this is going to be the end. And they look at it, but they're determined to get it done. They're determined to finish this road. So this, um, pretty dramatic, I guess, but this is Jesus and his disciples. They're on their way to Jerusalem, knowing that this is going to be the end. And Jesus is using this walk to Calvary, walk to the cross, to... uh, really test his disciples, to sharpen these disciples of his, to teach them, to test them, and to discern whether or not these disciples are fully committed to him, whether they understand, they truly understand the hardships and the troubles and the persecution that's going to follow. Ultimately, he's going to help them understand what it truly means for them to carry their cross. So, Ant, can I get you, please, to read this passage of scripture? That would be great. All right, the cost of following Jesus. This is in Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. Flip it. Flip it. Thanks. (laughs) But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Thanks, mate. We even practised that that page flipping last night and we still didn't get it. (laughs) Um, So I know what you're thinking. What is so difficult about that passage? It seems pretty straightforward. Well, let's have a go. Um, So tonight I want to look at the three men. Uh, who asked or were asked to follow Jesus. And then I want to have a look at Jesus' response to the three men's um, excuses, you could say, and how they were um, sort of unfit for possibly discipleship. And then I want to bring it to us and ask ourselves, what could our responses be? Have you counted the cost of following Jesus? What is your, but first Jesus, then I'll follow you? And are you looking back Are you looking at the path before you or the past behind you? So the three men. The first man says to Jesus, I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Wherever you go. We think, awesome, that's really good. What a testimony. But Jesus has a totally different reaction, doesn't he? It's like he can see right through the man and into his heart. And that's the luxury that we don't get. Jesus says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. In other words, mate, the road is going to be tough. We do not have houses. We don't have, com- we don't have comfort. We're not sure where our next meal is going to be. Are you prepared to walk that walk, mate? The Christian road is not an easy road at times, especially 
say, in a foreign mission field. Jesus is asking this man that whether or not he is prepared to follow Jesus wherever Jesus is asking him to go. Wherever that might look like. For you and I, this could be different. This could be whether or not Jesus wants us to go into a mission field out in the outback in Australia, whether or not it's overseas, whether or not it's just in your community. could be moving to a suburb, say like Hall's Head or Dawesville or Coodanup or something like that, out of your comfort zone, you know. This could be anywhere. The second man, Jesus actually asked this man, come follow me. And the man replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, I would say that would be a reasonable request, would you? Burying the dead, I guess, like in Old Testament times, in Jewish customs, it was actually a really important ritual for these Jewish people. In fact, um, ceremonial law in the Torah actually required it to be done, especially if you were the eldest in the family. But you see... For Jesus, there was actually a sense of urgency around this request. He wants his followers to have the same sort of urgency that Jesus had. He, he almost asked this question in a roundabout sort of way. Who do you cherish more, mate? The spiritually dead relatives or the giver of life, me? The point is that it's never okay. It's, it's not that it's never okay to come home to, uh, from a mission field to go to a funeral or to bury your father. But the point is that maybe it's okay not to. The point is, how does it, um, the issue is, how does it serve the proclamation of the gospel when we make those sort of decisions? What's your true treasure? Your family or the saviour of the universe? Who do you want to follow more than anything? Now, the third and final lucky man asks this, God, Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replies, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Oh, this is hard work, hey? <laughs> um, surely it's okay to say goodbye to your, your family and friends. I mean, like, that really does seem like a reasonable request. You can go um, into the Old Testament, First Kings. I was reading through that not too long ago, and uh, when Elijah was calling Elisha into ministry, Elisha requested, oh, can I just go... Um, go and say goodbye to my family. And Elisha said, yep, no worries, but come quick, quick, there's work to be done. You know, he was going to be a prophet of Israel, trying to get that nation back to repentance. But you see, there, there seems to be more urgency here. Hey, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's more at stake. This is the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ needs to be glorified and we need to reach the world here. Yeah? And bringing... Um, bringing people to repentance through Jesus is the big thing here. And while this is another family issue, I guess looking back is this big statement. You know, this man was looking back at his past life because you can't follow Jesus with all your heart. You can't make Jesus look great if you're always second-guessing following him. You know, if you're always looking back at the past thinking that if I could just have this old piece of my life and a bit of Jesus, then I'll follow Looking back potentially means longing back. Yeah? Now, what was Jesus doing in responding in the way that he did to these three would-be followers? He was doing two things. He was teaching them and he was testing them. He was teaching them that the Calvary road through Jerusalem will be a very hard road and that this road will, will um, 
There will be persecution along this road, but he will require training of these disciples. He will require them to be equipped. But most importantly, he will require these disciples to make sacrifices of home and family. And then he was testing them. He was testing them to see if he, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was their ultimate treasure. They said, I will follow you. And Jesus said, really? You love me? You treasure me that much? Well, here's what it's going to cost you. This is, this is, if you can get this next, ah, oh, here we go. He is testing the how much they will treasure the you in the I will follow you by telling them what the follow will cost. It takes me a while to get my head around this, but this is really profound. I'm going to say it again. He is testing how much they treasure the you in the I will follow you by telling them what the follow will cost. I reckon that's really profound. So what is Jesus teaching us and how is he testing us today? Well, let me say this, that um, I'm not up here preaching you to you guys because I'm an authority on this and that I've got it all figured out. I'll let you know that I don't. Um, Josh, yeah, Josh didn't like have a list of people who could potentially preach on this, this subject and say, oh, we've got to get Chris. No, he definitely didn't. Oh, he would have got Chloe if that was the case. <laughs> but... Um, this is a really convicting passage and, and for me the last two weeks have been seriously convicting, you know, trying to be able to preach this yet also live it. I mean, it was awesome, you know, I really, I really liked it. But um, yeah, it, it's a really convicting passage. And the interesting thing about this passage, which is for us, is that Luke didn't tell us what these guys decided to do. They didn't tell us that um, they decided to choose Jesus first or second. And I reckon it was for a reason. It was to put us in place of these disciples. So in light of that, and in light of what these three men said and what Jesus responded to them, I want to ask you these three questions. Have you counted the cost of following Jesus? What is your but first, let me, then I'll follow you? Well, are you looking back at the path before you? Are you looking, sorry, at the path before you or the past behind you? So counting the cost. Um, Chloe and I were um, talking about this preach during the week and we were going through the passage and, and we were asking ourselves, what if our faith um, hasn't really cost us anything yet? You know, And I think that was a reasonable question. And I, I immediately said, oh, hold on, be careful what you wish for because you know, Jesus might call us to do something really drastic. But for the both of us, um, through our, our marriage, our, our faith journey, uh, for our lives have been a really enjoyable ride and it's been comfortable. Um, we come from generational Christian families. We come from, we've come from two um, loving, um, beautiful churches who've equipped us and led us and, and, and we've flourished through them. Um, been through Christian schooling and, and that. But when I look back at our lives, I, I wonder, like, what, is, what does that cost us? You know, you know we're, we're comfortable, you know. Things, things are good in our house, you know. We've got comfortable pillows we we've got good jobs and stuff like that you know we've got a deck now I mean it's <laughs> everything's everything's really good but I guess the question like we sort of need to ask us is this, if if Jesus like really like came to me right now and said look Chris and Chloe I want you to go here or I want you to go there or I want you to quit this and do this like what are, what's my response you know, like, what's, my tr what's our true treasure, you know? And that's the cost that we've got to ask ourselves. Are you, are you prepared to do that? 
Where are we? And I think, like, for us as Christians living in, like, a pretty nice community, you know, living in a pretty, I would say, wealthy suburb, wealthy city, you know, and, like, a really free country, like, what's it costing us at the moment? Like, we've got a, we've got a danger, I reckon, of being lukewarm at times, you know, neither being hot nor cold. And um, I really think, you know, if you've read your Bible, like, Jesus uh, doesn't have nice things to say about lukewarm Christians. Um, and so, like, I want to ask you guys and myself, like, what does it look like getting out of your comfort zone? What does following Jesus cost you lately? I've got a few examples here. Um, is it inviting your neighbour to church next Sunday? You know, going through that awkward conversation or at least having them over for dinner, praying before your meal and just subtly just throwing the gospel in there. Um, <laughs> subtly. I don't know, just watching Lord of the Rings, number three. <laughs> Um, is it literally like going abroad on a mission field, you know? Is it saying, yes, I'll go to Cambodia, you know, whatever the cost, I'll do it? Or is it going over and above your tithe to an offering, whether it's to church or to mission, and you know it's going to hurt you financially? It could be like a number of things. Um, all of these things will cost you something, some greater, some smaller. But like the question Jesus was subtly asking the first man who wanted to follow him, are you prepared to go hungry? Are you prepared to rough it, to sleep on the side of the road, to be uncomfortable, to do what it is for Jesus? Is it worth it? Do you love and treasure Jesus enough? So what is your but first? Then I'll follow you. But first, let me bury my father. Then I'll come follow you, Jesus. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. Then I'll follow you. But first... Let me pay all my bills and then I'll tithe. But first, let me do a little bit of travel. Let me see the world and then I'll go overseas on a mission trip. Anyone else want to have a go? <laughs> you know, like there's, there's millions there. It's going to look different for everybody else. Jesus doesn't want to compete for your love or desires. He created you to love, to enjoy things, to have fun. But to be a true disciple of Jesus, he wants you to prioritise him before all of that. Like I said before, I really don't believe there's anything wrong with burying your father, as long as he's dead, <laughs> or, watching, or watching TV, or having your finances in order. But when they become an idol, when they compete with Christ for your loyalty, we've either got to get rid of them or control them. Yeah? For you and I, I believe, that, I believe they'll look different. For a long time in my life, uh, my idol was sport, you know. I, I was sport crazy, you know, fantasy football, playing sport on the weekends, playing sport during the week. You know, all I wanted to do was play sport and that got in the way of my faith, you know. Like I was checking my dream team scores during church and, and stuff like that. I know, it was silly. And then I had kids, now it's my kids, you know. There's so much in life that really distracts you from Jesus, you know. And they're going to be different, you know, for you and I. Um, some for you, it might be a social media addiction. Some of you, it might be an unhealthy relationship or a desire to be in a relationship. The list is going to go on. Jesus Christ knows what's competing in your heart with his affections for him. He can see right through your heart. You can't hide it, eh? And he did it with these three men. Now, to this second man, many scholars and Bible nerds believe that the second man in this story, the second man's father actually hadn't yet died. Otherwise, he most likely would have been on the road with Jesus. 
And the man wanted to wait a while and be with his family before he could truly and fully commit to Jesus. Hence, this was Jesus' hard response, let the dead go and bury the dead. So what's stopping you from proclaiming the kingdom of God right now? The last one uh, is, are you looking at the path before you or the past behind you? I love the analogy of not being able to plough a straight field if you continue to look backwards. Yeah, Considering ploughing a field an analogy for your walk with the Lord. Yeah, And, And the field ahead is the life before you, but you can't be an effective disciple, an effective follower, if you're continually looking back at your past. Yeah, You're continually longing back to your old lifestyle, your old conquests, your old way of life and reminiscing on them if you really wanted to be a true servant of God. Um, I shared this with the young adults um, on the camp that we recently had uh, about the years I started taking my faith really seriously and they were around the ages age of like 18 to 22 you know but you know at that time I, I had an appetite for the word of God and I was was growing in my faith slowly but um, with a circle of friends that we were around um, we were all going to church we were all doing the churchy things going to bible study and and enjoying fellowship there serving in church but we had um, some bad habits we we were doing a lot of drinking at the time um, and we were getting drunk and, and you know, we, we wanted our church lifestyle but we couldn't let go of the unhealthy lifestyle and at the time we didn't see it and we would glorify it and we thought these were the best of times but, you know, looking back at it now in hindsight, there were a few things really going wrong with it and I could see how damaging it was not just for my faith but for others' faith too. Not only we weren't we were being disobedient to God by you know getting drunk, but this is and this occurred to me this like thought only came to me like I reckon a couple of years ago, is we were not being proper image bearers of the true and faithful Jesus at the time, and that was a big deal, because when we weren't giving glory to God, we were glorifying something else, and at that time I don't reckon I was able to grow at my fullest capacity. I wasn't able to be an effective disciple for Jesus. Because I wanted my relationship with Jesus, but I also wanted my old lifestyle. I wanted a bit of the pie and I wanted to eat the all of it, you know. If that's how that analogy goes, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but to continue on the agricultural theme, when we're not ploughing a straight field, we're not reaping a harvest that's at full capacity. And I love that. We're not reaping a harvest that's at its full capacity. When we're looking back, when we're look, longing back, we're feeling as though Jesus is withholding a certain lifestyle from us. And if we're doing that, we're not being an effective disciple. We're not committing ourselves fully to Jesus and his kingdom. The, man in this, the last man in this story loved his family and he longed to say goodbye to them. And I, I truly believe that there was nothing wrong with that and it wasn't Jesus' intention to tell him that he can't go and do that. But what Jesus was really trying to say that if it diminishes your love for God and your love for Jesus and the kingdom, then it's going to diminish your commitment to following him. So I want to close um, with some really good news. Hey, you know, it's been a bit gloomy and convicting, but I'm not going to apologise for it because it's scripture, you know. Like, this is what God's trying to tell us. Hey, um, Jesus is worthy, yeah? Jesus is worth following. Jesus is worth following. He knows you and I uh, intimately by name. 
He created you in his own image and he loves you before you were even born. He loves you so much right now and he loves you so much that he actually came onto this earth, lived a perfect life, died a gruesome death which cost him pain upon pain and then separation from the Father when he was crucified but he overcame that and he is glorified now, yeah? Yeah. And that's why we're doing this, you know, because of Jesus. And we love him so much. And he, and he did that so that you and I can be in a right relationship with the Father. And that is awesome. Because of that, you and I can have eternal life. And this is the reward. Luke 14 verse 14 says, You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, following Jesus... By following Jesus, there is no cost that you can pay in following me that will not be made up to you a thousandfold in the resurrection when Jesus returns. I mean, how good is that? I'm going to say it one more time. There is no cost that you can pay in following me that won't be made up to you a thousandfold in the resurrection. It's so good just to focus your eyes on heaven and what it's going to be like here on earth. And we need to remember Matthew 13, verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which man found and covered up, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys a field. A man sees and he sells everything he has, everything he has, to get that treasure. In other words, all the so-called costs, all the so-called losses, everything are nothing compared to the gains of having Jesus, the greatest treasure. Yeah. He wants so desperately for you and I to follow him. And he wants you to know that it's not going to be easy at times, guys. He's not going to sugarcoat it. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. There will be costs. But we have a God who provides. We have a God who sustains and that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. I know... It's a pretty hard message and it seems like Jesus in his response to these three are pretty harsh. But if you look at it from Jesus' point of view and the kingdom of God's point of view, there is an urgency about this. And that's the point Josh wanted me to get across. And I'm doing it right now, right at the end. (laughs) The kingdom of God is right now, yeah? yeah? There are people who do not know about Jesus, like next door, in the hospital, in the old folks' home, in your footy team, in your netball team, in your school and in your workplace. It could be wherever. And they need a saviour, yeah? Yeah. And there are people that God wants you to reach. Not once you've paid off your house. Not once the kids have moved out of home. Not once you've finished your degree. Not once you've done your travelling or whatever you need to do. But he wants you to do it right now. And that's it. That's all I've got. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, the band's going to come up and I messaged Mim this week um, asking her if we could have the song Christ is Enough um, to play Um, I'm pretty sure that's still the plan yeah Yeah, cool, good, good Um, because if it's not I don't know where I'm going to go but um, it's a really profound song and I'm not going to sing it because I'd undo everything I've just done (laughs) But it's got some seriously good words and it says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The cross is before me and the world is behind me and there's no turning back. And while you sing it, I just want you to close your eyes and make this profession in your life that if Christ is enough for you, then follow him with all your heart, yeah? 
So let the cross be before you and the world be behind you.